Welcome to 48 Minutes, a podcast around inspiring leadership. My name is Karine Kavens, and in this episode, I speak to Theo Vaz, the founder of a social organization called Armatekor. This organization tries to beat poverty in my hometown of Antwerp in a very innovative way. We spoke about the misconceptions around poverty, energy management, as well as what is driving this very inspiring man. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome Theo, Theo Vaz. Um, I'm happy to see you because it's been uh, way too long that we have uh, seen each other. Uh, but actually a few weeks ago I was uh, interviewing Siam El Kawakibi, another uh, social entrepreneur uh, who now uh, took a role in uh, the Flemish parliament, so she went into politics. And uh, we were actually talking about you, and uh, then I was thinking, oh, I have to have uh, Theo in my mm. podcast. So here we are. Uh, very glad to have you. Uh, and thank you for uh, hosting it uh, at uh, the headquarters of Armbetekort. The pleasure is entirely on my side. <laughs> um, so it has been a while, so for me it's also a bit time to catch up. How, how are you doing today? Well, it's uh, maybe a little bit awkward to say in these times, but um, I'm doing very well. Um, I'm happy as ever. Um, of course, I see and I understand that we are in an extremely privileged position, mm-hmm. not only as a country in the whole world, but also as part of the population that really sees the suffering on TV. Uh, we are not experiencing anything at all. No. Um, so on the one side, if you ask me personally how I'm feeling, I'm happy. If you ask me uh, to say it up loud, I have to make reservation for the things I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you are the founder and, and driving force behind uh, Arme de Kort, which is a social organization uh, focusing on generational poverty. What is, according to you, the biggest misconception about poverty? Well, allow me to just uh, rephrase your opening statement a little bit. I was the originator of the idea for a whole night until the next morning I shared this with one of my colleagues who jumped on it as the first follower, Mm -hmm. uh, but actually is at least uh, as powerful driving force behind the whole scene. And that was for day two, because within a week we had the first followers and they still are on board today. So the organization has grown a hundred times bigger than I could ever do by myself. So it's a multi-engine rocket. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then to your question on uh, poverty, of course, as you uh, recall from your training, is a multi-dimensional problem, meaning that there is a lot of elements that contribute to poverty from a systematic point of view, from a society point of view. And they are so, there's so many of these aspects that they form a complex system. Social workers talk about the poverty web. Um, in engineers, uh, I, 
speak uh, talk about uh, a complex system. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that's a, quite a bit of a almost academic or theoretical approach to poverty, and it's a lot different when you are in it. But if you analyze the experience, the sentiment, the feelings of people living in poverty, you can bring it back to something like 34 aspects of poverty. Right. Well, and so, uh, so it is not solving poverty is probably uh, not as easy as most people think. Indeed, there is not a one-stop solution, there is not a single solution that will work for everybody. The biggest misunderstanding from uh, government uh, leaders, from politicians, is that poverty, we have to make the distinction between the existing poverty that has been going on for generations and the poverty that is coming tomorrow. And they are not the same thing. Very often, it could be the same families, but intrinsically they are fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. uh, solving the existing poverty aspect, people living in poverty for generations, is an extremely difficult and very expensive um, task. Preventing poverty is, I would guess, at least 10 times easier. Mm -hmm. And I often make the comparison between the medical world where today we also spend 90% of our health budget on curing people, on fixing the problem, yeah. and only a small fraction on preventing it. Mm -hmm. And this is what we would like to turn around. Yeah. Um, so you said uh, it's a very complex problem. There, there are many different aspects. Um, Armut de Kort, uh, I'm part of it as a body. So it, it's a body system where um, you match privileged with uh, less privileged people. Um, but what is the idea behind it? Which which is the lever you're trying to pull? Yeah. Um, There's two levers that we are uh, envisaging in the body concept. The first one, of course, is to help the person living in poverty who has lost belief in himself or in herself that we call the loss of self-esteem and this is like a key element in any process of recovery out of poverty. Uh, clearly it is not enough, it is not sufficient to solve the self-esteem but without solving the self-esteem problem all the rest will not work anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like a conditional uh, system. Uh, on the other hand, the second lever is the opportunity offering body. Uh, usually, if I may make a joke, a person who has um, been married or in a relationship uh, for some time, who has got his house or apartment sort sorted out, uh, seven years in the same job and 2.2 children, uh, that would be statistically yeah. the ideal body. Fortunately, yeah. we have a lot of other people uh, that are not in the stereotype model. Yeah. But generally speaking, we see that whatever spectrum of society they come from, they experience fundamental change in themselves. Mm -hmm. They start to look in a different way uh, at themselves and at the system that we have developed in, a, in our society. 
So it's a discovery. There's a discovery element for both yeah. for both the poor person and the well-to-do person. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think I've been a buddy now for a bit more than two years, and mm. uh, I think it has been one of the most enriching experiences yes. uh, I've I've had in my life. Uh, just because I'm discovering a whole new, um, yeah, layer of the society that yeah. I would never have discovered in another way. Um, so Theo, I, I would describe you today as a social entrepreneur. Uh, and I know a bit of your background. You have not always been a social entrepreneur. Um, I don't think... Uh, you've been born and as a child you said I want to solve po poverty uh, what triggered you to engage in the poverty problem one of our earliest followers once told me Theo I'm so happy that this problem has found you so it's actually the other way around I was not looking for a challenge I had my own business I helped about 500 startups at last over the last 30 years. So generating business businesses, helping people to optimize their potential to to make their business dreams come true, has been my whole life. Um, and then all of a sudden, through coincidence, uh, I was confronted with this poverty aspect as part of a journey traveling uh, in the world. And then it took my attention and, and all of a sudden I started to see the niche in the market, if you want. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, uh, as a, our society is evolving, a lot of new social needs are arising. Mm -hmm. To give you a few, um, the uh, graying of the population, uh, you know, we've all become older and expect quality of life much many mm -hmm. more years than yeah. ever before. It's, creates a lot of social opportunities. But this poverty thing struck me because everybody seemed to agree that it was not solvable. And that sort of became a challenge, if you want. Yeah. And so you... Uh, Triggered you... by the challenge to um, solve other people spend their weekends uh, filling crossword puzzles or whatever uh, other problems that they uh, engage in and i think this is quite an interesting puzzle mm -hmm. Theo, you you told me that um you committed uh, to spend 10 years of your life on um on this project um i think you are getting closer to the end uh and knowing that there will always be more work to be done uh, will it be difficult for you to, to stop it interesting question um, as an entrepreneur as an investor whenever I engage in a new project I have one eye on the door what is the exit strategy uh, in that business venture likewise here of course mm -hmm. um, also the sense of urgency does not come from my agenda it comes from understanding and feeling what people in poverty have to endure. And I think they have a right on a sense of urgency. We have to terminate this problem and not say that we will keep fighting it forever until eternity. 
because that is what we have been doing exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you want to end a vicious circle of endemic poverty, we have to do it radically. Mm -hmm. We have to set a time and milestones just like you would in any business venture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, may I ask you how old are you now? Of course. Uh, 66, uh, going up to 66 now. Okay, so that's actually already past uh, legal retirement age. Yeah. Um, do you have any idea what will you, what you will do after this or, or how you will spend your retirement if you will ever go on retirement? <laughs> well, I plan to retire in 2023 when this venture is okay. finished. Uh, I haven't got a clue what problem will find me by that time. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that by 2023 we uh, write on the political agenda of all government parties and in Belgium that is a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have to get on their agenda that they commit to terminating endem endemic poverty, to finish it. Uh, and that is an objective, it's a very clear objective. That is my contribution to this uh, situation. Um, you could say very similar like the women empowerment uh, process. Uh, one of the major milestones was 1948 when women got to vote, right? You mm -hmm. remember? Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course that does not mean that women rights are all solved all over the world. That even today in our Western society that everything is perfect. But I think the fundamentals have been put down in 1948 and then the years coming after that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, the assumption now is that by the time, by 2023, uh, a new uh, problem will find you. Well, yes, <coughs> we'll see what comes up. Um, I have seven grandchildren, I have a fantastic wife, I have uh, three kids, wonderful family. Mm -hmm. um, sure, there is lots of opportunities there. Um, and then there is other people that may want to use an old bowl guy and I'm there. Yeah, okay, so you keep on uh, being uh, useful for society. Yeah. Um, when I asked you, uh, I think it was last week, uh, I sent you a message if you wanted to go uh, on the podcast, uh, you said yes. Uh, when I asked you to come and speak at, at my one of my retreats, you said yes. When I asked you to come and speak a second time on the retreat, you said yes. It seems to me that somehow saying yes is uh, is something very familiar to you. Is that something you try to do in life? or? I would like to answer yes, but in <laughs> all honesty, I must admit it also depends on who is asking. Okay. Uh, I have 8,000 days to live, that's my expected lifespan. I'm very, very stingy on my time. I mm -hmm. understand that the challenges ahead are tremendous and I am not at liberty to spend time in vanity. It mm -hmm. has to contribute to this mission. Mm -hmm. You have personally made a massive contribution to this mission, not only as a buddy giving your heart and time, but in many other things that you have undertaken. So that makes you part of this flow, no? Yeah, <laughs> if you say so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, also, when, when I asked you, um, when can we do the podcast, you said 
every day from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. and in the weekends from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. When I saw the message, I was like, whoa, I was blown away. I said, whoa, what, what a drive, what, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen anyone who gives me that range of opportunities to talk. Um, what is driving you in life? Well, I think there's a little bit of circumstances, call it good luck. Mm -hmm. uh, I have energy, I have lots of energy, and I have no, uh, I mean, it's not, I have nothing, I did not have to do anything for this, it's just there. Mm -hmm. So I cannot have any claim to fame here. Um, but once you commit to doing something, life becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that if I would be employed in a job that I might not really be enthusiastic about, that I also would keep watch on the time and that I would probably have made a proposal somewhere between 9.30 and 4.30 mm -hmm. because I wanted to minimize that part of my life. But in, in this case, that's what I live for, no? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and do you know, have you ever thought about, uh, you say, it's a lot of energy that's driving me? What What is... Um, what are the things that give you energy? Let's yeah. put it that way. The energy that I was talking about, maybe I used the wrong word, is, is a given. It's a natural fact. But what makes it tick? What drives yeah. it? Yeah. And it's people like you. It's people like our buddies. It's the 500 buddies that have committed to giving up hundreds of hours of mm -hmm. their time. That's ten of, tens of thousands of hours that people have given. If you think about it, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about people who are wanting to spend wasted time here. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people who themselves have no time, but still manage their calendars, um, you know, make an hour or two available for a buddy, make sometimes evenings or days available for yeah. us to help us in the organization. Uh, we have over 60 volunteers today who help us on the inside of the organization. Yeah. Some of them spending spending 40 hours a week. Impressive. I mean, if you ask me what drives me, it's these people's energy, their, their desire, their attention, their, yeah. uh, the shared mission, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've been doing this for, for quite some years now, and, and I'm sure you've, you've heard about a lot of beautiful stories in, in the body trajectories. Is, is there one story that that comes to mind when you say that that type of stories are the reason why I do this? Um, as you know, we organize weekly information sessions and a lot of presentations for larger audiences. And very often we bring two of our buddies for a testimonial so that the audience can ask questions real life to people who have actually experienced it themselves. And I never know ahead who is coming. So for me, it's always as big a surprise as for the audience. And I can assure you, even after a hundred times that I have done this, very often my hair in my neck rises. I, I get an unbelievable feeling of uh, gratitude because they are sharing this um, if you ask me for specific 
cases I would probably do injustice to all the other fantastic stories, but um, a while ago, the King of Belgium invited us for an audience, um, oh. and we had two of our buddies that volunteered to participate. And I didn't know any of the two, mm -hmm. but during the interview, both said that they actually planned on committing suicide. One of the two had done it a few, tried a few times already, mm -hmm. and that they actually sought professional help to end their, in their opinion, useless life. And one of the guys is sitting at university and the other one has become an assistant teacher. Wow. Um, now, if not ever a single nice story comes to us, this is worth living for, is it not? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have hundreds of those. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Should uh, think of writing a book about it. Yeah, not <laughs> many people have time to read, but... No. Um, you said, I have a lot of energy naturally. Is there things that you do to recharge your energy? Or things that naturally recharge your batteries? Um, I've never told you that because you may want me to repay the, the, the contribution that you made for ATK, but talking and listening to you and seeing the people that surround you actually gives me tremendous energy. Mm -hmm. I owe you. No. <laughs> I do. Um, so that's my answer. Um, I get driven, I get energy. Uh, it, with those people. The only thing that kills me is people that draw energy. So I am, I'm very um, meticulous about who I work with and who I want close. And if I feel people that are drawing energy away on, in an unproductive manner, I try to shift my mm -hmm. yeah. environment. Yeah, there is a saying that says that uh, you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. Wow. So, uh, yeah. kind of yeah. uh, goes yeah. in line with uh, what you just said. Um, I uh, personally, when I was turning 30, I kind of had a little quarter life crisis, meaning I was uh, starting to question everything, thinking of why am I doing this? I was wondering, have you ever had such a time in your life? where you really uh, question things? No, I can't really recall any sort of existential doubt or questioning. I have come a few times to realizing that the path that I had chosen would not did not give me what I expected, that I had made ill-informed choices. Yes, I've had that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you make the changes that are necessary. I've never been afraid of change. I think that's yeah. maybe a benefit that I received with the genes. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you read? An awful lot. <laughs> not as much as I would like to. Um, but I must have read four or five hundred books on poverty and empowerment. That's a lot. And before that, I studied uh, cultural differences uh, between China and India and Western Europe. 
and I read about every single book that has been written on cultural differences from a business perspective. And before that, I was interested in cultural differences between Holland and Belgium, because it's a very That's interesting, an interesting topic. Topic. Uh, there is no two countries in the world that are so close together, sharing a language, and yet culturally so different. Yeah. Uh, so that took me hundreds of books and papers that I... Yeah. Okay, then my next question is probably a very tough one. Um, I wanted to ask if you have to go to a deserted island uh, with only one book. What would be the book you would bring? Uh, that would be a tough one. I would probably choose something that I have not read. Um, yeah. The Quran, the Bible. Okay. Um, but not with a specific intention. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what I would think about. Uh, I remember my very first management book, In Search of Excellence, uh, somewhere in the 80s. Uh, and then another highlight would probably be From Good to Great. Mm -hmm. um, but that are, of course, very traditional management books. I mean, yeah. you know, if you receive a paycheck and a company, you should have read it. Yeah. Um, Do you also read uh, fiction? No time. Yeah. Uh, I love to spend time um, discovering what poetry can do to somebody. I must admit I'm a cultural barbarian yeah. on that aspect. Yeah, you can't, you can't have it all. <laughs> well, I realize that I pay a lot of prices for the life I'm living, mm -hmm. and that is one of them. Um, is it for you difficult to... Um, I, 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 start to see uh, a pattern that whatever you do, it, it needs to add value or, or be useful. Is it difficult for you to just uh, hang around and not do anything? About a year ago, somebody tried to teach me the skill of chilling. <laughs> I did not know the word. <laughs> Uh, it was very interesting experiences, I must admit, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but then on hindsight, I think I enjoyed it because it sort of prepares your thinking better for the next challenge. So it becomes like functional chilling, if you want. Yeah, functional um, And I will probably one day or the other experiment again if I find the right person to teach me but yeah um, yeah I can tell you um, I think uh, two months ago I went uh, I went for a week into a retreat in the Abbey of Westmaler without my phone and laptop uh, without a book I can highly recommend it yeah. um, it's very difficult for active people like I think you are as yeah. well uh, but it has been very insightful, so uh, if you want to chill uh, functionally, uh, I can highly recommend that. Well, coincidentally, I, in, uh, one of my uh, New Year's ambitions this year yeah. was to go a week somewhere on the French-Belgian border um, with a professor who is specializing in rats that can discover mines or something. He's also half <laughs> of a Zen Buddhist. Um, and I was lucky that he didn't. He did not answer all my emails and requests. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Is there something you want to do before you die? That's a pretty heavy question. Um, I think in being so preoccupied with the things that I'm trying to achieve, I probably miss out on saying thank you uh, for people who contribute and who have contributed so much to um, the life that I have, that I lead. So saying thank you would probably be the regret that I will have to bear with, mm -hmm. have to live with. Not not saying thank you enough. Mm -hmm. Still alive. So. I have so many people. Um, my mother always used to say that I, ha I receive more luck than I deserve, and she's right. Um, and she also was worried that this was not going to last forever, and she probably still could be right. But let's say in the last 65, 66 years, it's been... Good life. Yeah. Too many people engage, too many people help and push forward and... Nice. Um, to stay in the range of heavy questions, do you cry easily? Um, I have no problem with crying. I, I, I don't have the male sort of thing that, you know, you should not show emotions. I think I reason emotions rather quickly. Mm -hmm. um, let's say that I, I can recall exactly the times when tears came in my eyes. Um, maybe I've never counted, but three, four, five times a year. Mm. Yeah. And what moves you? Last time, I know very vividly, uh, one of my friends, um, his father passed away at a late age. There was nothing unexpected about his passing away. And then I, uh, when he was saying thank you in, in the, the church celebration, somehow he could not go through with the speech. And then his wife came to stand next to him. And she did nothing. She just stood behind him, and I could see what happened there. Mm -hmm. That was an, a moment of, yeah, that I really felt very deeply, and I could understand what was there, and it moved me to tears. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Um, Theo, you seem you come across as a very calm person. Is there anything that triggers stress with you? Yeah, um, the times that I really get angry with myself is when I lose my cool. A couple of years ago, I remember in traffic that I <laughs> did something really horrible to, I can't even remember it was a man or a woman, it was a convertible car. And I think he or she did something wrong and I explained it in a not very elegant manner. Yeah. So that's Traffic. when I feel I trip over my own limits. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you wake up in the morning? Do you have a special routine or 
No, I try to think five or ten minutes what the most important thing is I want to do today and get up very swiftly. Yeah, yeah in one go. One go, yeah. No, no, yeah, no hesitation. Um, I regret having to sleep. Uh, fortunately, I can do it very efficiently, so I don't need too much time. Um, but once I'm awake, I'm ready to go. When do you wake up? It depends. Uh, now, with this deadline that I was talking about, uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning, um, usually 7, 6.37. Mm -hmm. And when do you go to bed? It uh, depends. Uh, sometimes, uh, if I make it early, I have no problem to go to bed at 9.30. It happens. Mm. Uh, usually, it would be about midnight. Yeah. Okay. I um, work till 10, so <laughs> by the time exactly. you come home, eat, Still talk, need to relax. Uh, yeah. well, not relax, but I mean, talk <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. Um, what lesson did you learn in this life that you would absolutely want to pass on to the next generation? What a wonderful question. Um, I've always tried to inspire our children that they can achieve anything they can dream. Um, maybe I did not do a good enough job on teaching them, on helping them to dream. They have realized everything they think of. And I'm very happy to see I'm, I'm proud about what my wife did because I have no claim to fame here. Um, I think the only limitation in our life is our ability to dream. And I have discovered this through the years by accident, but I think it should be like coming with our education. Mm -hmm. There to dream. Yeah. Learn. It's a technique that we need to learn. I mean, it's a skill set. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think it also comes with creativity. Yes, uh, yes, of course. Yeah. Which is for sure something that in the traditional education system is not really uh, encouraged, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but creativity is one of the main skills uh, together with resilience mm -hmm. uh, for the future. Yeah. Yeah. So dream. But compared to resilience, creativity is a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Resilience you can train. Mm -hmm. uh, you're too young to. You are too young to remember. But there was a time when we had military service, uh, and you can train thousands of people with resilience. It's really not difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have developed systems to do that. Mm. Um, but to be creative, really creative, yeah. is an totally different ballpark, I think. Yeah, the thing is that uh, I think everyone is born very creative, yeah. but uh, somehow it gets lost along the way. Yeah, the system, our systems sort of try to crush every sparkle of creativity, whether it's in schooling or in work environments. Um, the model of society is not really geared for creativity. No, I agree, I agree. Um, who or what inspires you? Um, I find inspiration in the newspaper, in the yellow pages. Uh, I try to read different magazines from Farmers Weekly to Contractors Tender Bulletin. 
to newspapers uh, today with iPad and, and tablets. I read uh, Singapore Times, I read uh, what is happening in Vietnam. Oh. I don't have time for to read newspapers, mm -hmm. but in the morning I will spend 15 minutes trying every morning to find news from another part of the world. Wow. So you keep, uh, despite you solving a very local problem, you keep your eyes open for what's going on. Yes, uh, the solutions come from the East usually, yeah. and wisdom comes from the East. Uh, and looking out of our own limiting context, I think, is a very important mm -hmm. technique. There's some something you like an important thing you uh, apply from the East that you've learned there. Um, yes, long-term thinking. Mm -hmm. um, to put it in a bit of a stereotype model, uh, the next quarter targets from a U.S. company compared to a hundred-year government policy in China um, are worlds apart. Mm -hmm. And clearly now today we are seeing what works better than the other. Yeah. Uh, so long-term thinking, dare to make a 10-year plan. Yeah, what you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your, what do you find your best and worst uh, personality traits? Um, um, short-tempered, um, I don't have enough attention for feelings, I am not a very skilled or sensitive feeler. Um, I'm aware of that. I, I try, but it's not working very successfully, I must admit. Um, I think that's my major shortcoming, that I'm not always in tune with the needs of all the people that uh, I, I work with, I deal with. Luckily, uh, I'm aware of that, and I have a few colleagues who help, who coach, uh, and also fill the gaps that I cause. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they feel like they have to clean up my rubble. Um, yeah, that's, I think, uh, definitely a, something that could have been engineered better. Uh, but now in the future with genetic engineering, this will yeah. be solved, no? <laughs> And then on the strong side, I think the ability to dream, uh, which is a trained skill. Um, yeah, I think that would be yeah. to see what is not there yet and to connect the dots. I, I, if you look at ATK, uh, what is special about it is the, the combination of behavioral sciences um, software engineering, uh, concurrent engineering in software terms, um, systemic uh, system dynamics, uh, a skill set that comes from engineers, um, and to combine that in a social project, mm -hmm. uh, and then to connect it with social media strategies, you know, very intensive communication programs, uh, and, and to make those combinations, I think. 
Steve Jobs would call it connecting the dots, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's really what it's yeah. about, I think. That's, I think, what I would also say when I think of your strong points. It's the connecting yeah. uh, factor. Um, to which emotion, we talked about you being very rational, but to which emotion do you relate the most easy? Uh, never thought about that question. Um, I admire people who are patient with me mm -hmm. uh, and who force me, who, who don't give up on pushing me to explain or share in a way that communication becomes a two-way, uh, bi-directional thing. Um, so patience, I think. Um, I could not live or work with yes but people. Mm -hmm. uh, I need yes and people mm -hmm. around me. And of course I understand that you have to have um, people in your team that uh, keep on doing reality checks and you know, for sure. Um, but generally speaking I think I would be attracted to Let's call it people with a positive outlook, with a, a, an outlook to opportunities, to things that can be done. And even if I say something stupid or that is absolutely not doable, mm -hmm. to take that idea and turn it into something how we can solve the problem. Okay. Um, but that relates to other people. What, what do you? What's an emotion that you can feel very easily? Okay. Um, compassion. Mm -hmm. I think I can. Um, if if I focus, if I make an effort, I think I can eventually understand yeah. what I feel. Yeah. I have to translate it to like uh, on a cognitive level. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your? Uh, you don't come across as very uh, fearful, but what, what's your biggest fear? The last time I was uh, really afraid when somebody in the family had a um, medical problem and I could not quite deal with the possibility that it would not work out right. Mm. That was a fearful moment. I remember I was really, really scared. I made some decisions that I changed them changed some of my behavior in my life at that very moment um, other than that I have no fear I have no fear to die I'm ready to die tomorrow I mean I've had a wonderful life I've had more mm. than I ever would deserve so it would be ungrateful to uh, insist on more um, I'm not in a hurry to go but I'm ready yeah so it more it's more related to uh, uh, the fact that other people you you love uh, would be uh, harmed or... Yes, but I understand that if you put a finger in the water, there is a hole in the water, but you pull out your finger, the water will be <laughs> flat again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a favorite city? City? Well, I can say Antwerp, and I don't have to blush about this. Uh, 
my wife and I have traveled the world to decide where we would like to live. We have literally done this uh, from America to Canada to Mexico to European countries uh, to South Africa. We, we really traveled the world because we did not want to settle here yeah. or at least in the village where we came from. And Antwerp really has all the things that we had been looking for. Um, so I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. And why? Because Antwerp is a, a city, it has cosmopolitan characteristics, uh, and yet in size it's a village. Yeah. Um, you know, when you come from uh, Shanghai or um, Chongqing uh, or Calcutta or, or Bangalore, you realize that Antwerp is really a village in, in size terms. And this combination of the two is, I think, very attractive. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, it's funny you say that because that's exactly how I promote uh, Antwerp to mm -hmm. foreigners. All right. the, the cosmopolitan vibe with the yeah. village size. Yeah, absolutely. Um, imagine that you die yeah? uh, and you, you would come back or you could come back as another person in another society uh, on this planet. Well, who would you love to be? Where would you like to be? A better tale. Mm -hmm. uh, I would try to get a consultant to analyze my life and to bring uh, the shortcomings on sort of an abstract or meta level that I can understand and do something about it. I'm extremely grateful for the life that I uh, have led in, in all the roles that you have. Um, I've been a poor father. I could have been a better father. Mm -hmm. uh, I've not always been a good employee. I could have been a better employee. And I definitely have not been the ideal leader that I could have been. Um, so, yeah, the better version of me. Well, that's uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, we're still going to do uh, one or two more questions because uh, uh, I, I really, I really like the conversation. Um, there is this book, I don't know if you know it, but it's called The Five Languages of Love. And uh, it's about how different people express their love in a different way. How would you uh, express your love? Um. The Chinese have a habit that if you love somebody, you don't say thank you. So if I would do something for you and you would say thank you, I would say you don't love me anymore. Well, because you, you, you say thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think love, let's put it the other way, the way I can express it is by doing. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I can do all the writing today. You can Google the most beautiful things you could imagine. Uh, can't quite sing, so that would be a problem. But I think by doing, showing, doing things, yeah, doing mm -hmm. things, and yeah. Okay. Um, last question: um, If people um, listen to uh, this podcast and they, they might be inspired about what Aymet de Kort is doing, 
I hope they uh, they think about, consider of maybe becoming a a buddy or or or, or uh, being in, in the donation program. But apart from that, what are other maybe more everyday things that people can do? I think if I could switch a circuitry in every human mind, it would be the circuit of consciousness. So if I would, if I could wish something for, let's say, all your audience, it is the opportunity to take some time to really reflect consciously about what you see in your environment, what your current state is, and what you could become in that environment because everybody can become a change leader mm -hmm. everybody can become the actor of change in her or his environment whether it's a family whether it's a school whether it's your job but very often we don't take time to reflect and to become conscious about this mm -hmm. so become a change leader in your direct environment i think would be there okay yeah. we can change uh in your own environment. You can become the change that you want to see and it's not very difficult. No. Okay, with these words uh, I would like to thank you uh, for this opportunity, um, for uh, yeah, being honest about uh, the things that are moving you uh, and I can only wish you all the best for the last uh, I think two and a half years uh, of the big project um, and uh, yeah thanks again thank you very much i hope you liked this episode if you want to stay tuned and hear more personal stories of inspiring leaders follow us on spotify or apple podcasts or subscribe to our youtube channel bye